This podcast is from Christian Chapel in Tulsa, Oklahoma. For more information, visit us online at christianchapel.com. Hey, good morning. If we haven't met, my name is Chris. I'm the pastor here at Christian Chapel. And whether you're joining us in the room or online, we're thrilled that you're making part of your Sunday uh, to, to be with us and worship the Lord together. We're in the middle of a series that we've called Kingdom Builders. It's how we kick off every new year at Christian Chapel. It's an opportunity for us to, to reflect not just on how we can give to be part of what God is doing all over the world, but how we can live to be part of what he's doing right here where he has called and planted us. As you heard earlier, Kingdom Builders is a missions funding mechanism at Christian Chapel. Kingdom Builders is over and above giving. It's beyond our, our regular tithe, our offering that many of us practice as a, a spiritual discipline, an act of worship. Kingdom Builders is a way for us to ask the Lord at the beginning of each year, is there anything extra you would like me to do to help establish your kingdom all around the world? Our goal for 2022 is to give away $450,000 as part of our Kingdom Builders giving. In that $450,000, there are three different buckets that, that it kind of gets given out through. The first is global missions. Through global missions this year, we will give away $300,000. The big chunk of that will support over 50 missionaries and ministries like Matt and Randy working in over 30 nations around the world. Out of that, we also support several big missions projects, including healing and evangelism, crusades in Brazil, uh, a children's home in both Paraguay and one also in Bangladesh. We support global Bible distribution through uh, Youth with a Mission to take the gospel to people who don't yet have it in their native language. Uh, we drill water wells in Africa. We build Bible colleges in Africa and Nepal and India. There is so much that is done through the global arm of Kingdom Builders. But it's not just global, it's also local. Our goal for 2022 is to give away $110,000 to local ministries. That includes Royal Family Kids Camp and Mentoring Club, a, a free week of camp provided to children in the foster care system in the Tulsa County area. That's staffed entirely by volunteers from Christian Chapel and funded through our Kingdom Builders giving. We also support crisis pregnancy outreach, we support crossover community impact, we support several other local ministries working hard to establish the, the kingdom of God in Tulsa, primarily among the overlooked and the, those that are often under-resourced and, and not really given a lot of thought or consideration. And then the final uh, bucket of our Kingdom Builders giving is our Next Generation Investments. Um, through that, we provide mission trip scholarships for college students and for high school students. We provide youth camp and kids camp scholarships to those who are unable to afford that on their own. And then we also operate an internship program for future church leaders. Um, tonight at our Chili Cook-Off, I'm excited to tell you the, the stories of some of those former interns and the way that God has used that internship program to prepare them for what they're doing now, contributing to his kingdom. Some of them still here at Christian Chapel, others around the United States serving in different capacities. But through your faithful giving, we're able to, to do all of these things and more. On your seat, or, or maybe the seat next to you when you came in, there's one of these Kingdom Builders commitment cards. We're going to receive these next Sunday, uh, but I wanted you to have a, a chance to look at that, start to pray about it. If you're, if you're married, talk with your spouse about it, and just really ask the Lord um, how he would have you participate with us this year in that. Now, it, like I said, we're not just talking about giving, we're also talking about living, and so our Kingdom Builders uh, kind of the, the viewpoint you've taken this year is how to be a kingdom builder. What does it take to build the kingdom beyond just giving 
two programs like Kingdom Builders. And so over the past couple weeks, I've, I've really enjoyed sharing with you some of the most influential men in my life and the lessons that they have taught me. Uh, three weeks ago, we heard from my old youth pastor, Billy Seymour, about how it takes passion to build the kingdom. Two weeks ago, we heard from our former pastor, Greg Davis, about how you have to love people to build the kingdom. Last week, my dad uh, came and he was shared with us about how you have to work hard to build the kingdom. And uh, I, I got a little bit of, I got great feedback after all of those. I got interesting feedback and I, I told my dad, I don't know if this is an insult or a compliment. But after he spoke last week, I heard from several people that they said, now we understand more about why you are the way you are. <clears throat> and I told my dad, I don't know what that meant. He's like, it can go either way, son. Just take the positive. I'm like, okay. So we're, we're both just taking the positive and choosing to believe that. Uh, but it, it's been really enjoyable. Today, uh, I'm gonna, I want to preach a little bit to us from Matthew chapter 4, and then after that, I'm going to ask Matt and Randy to come back, and they're going to talk to us a little bit, uh, kind of in a, a question and answer format of how kingdom builders embrace interruption. Uh, you know, if, if we're going to build God's kingdom, at its core, there's a recognition that he's the king, not us. And if he's the king, then he gets to direct our schedules, he gets to direct our lives, and he can speak and redirect at any point that he wants to. Uh, but, but just so I kind of know where, where you land on that, I'm curious. I, I think generally when you talk about interruptions, people kind of have three different approaches. Uh, one is indifference of like, oh, whatever, if it happens, it happens. You are the most like chill, laid-back people in the world. Um, and then there's, there's a group who really enjoys interruptions, Right? You're the spontaneous fun ones, like you were the fun kid, you are the fun aunt, all of that sort of thing. And then uh, there are those of us who hate every interruption. Um, and so just kind of, let's see, we'll, just, we'll check the two extremes. Where are my people that absolutely love interruptions? You're the spontaneous one, you're the fun one. Man. Okay, there we go. Thank you. We have, we have one. Uh, again, like when you have an early service and a late service, this is kind of what you expect. Fun people go to the second one. So I'll, I'll let you know next week, right? Okay, so the other side of that, now some of you might land in the middle. How many of you would say, like me, I really don't like interruptions at all? Okay, you like a plan, you like to work your plan. That's, that's I mean, that's, that's me. I, if I go to a meeting, I would prefer to see an agenda beforehand. And then I would really prefer that they follow the agenda while I'm there, right? Because if you're not going to follow it, why'd you give it to me in the first place? This is just made up and you're aggravating everyone, right? So, so there, there's just those moments. Or, you know, how many, of you, how many of you work with checklists at home, at school, at work? You've got it. And there's a deep sense of satisfaction, right, in marking the stuff off. Now, now, when I say I don't like interruptions, there are two exceptions. So the first exception is I always welcome interruptions that are good news for me personally. And so if any of you were thinking, hey, you know what, we had that extra million dollars, and I just think we're supposed to give it to Chris and Angie. Like, interrupt me anytime. I'll give you my number. I'll give you my address. I'll give you a key to my house, right? And you can come in and interrupt me at any moment with that good news. The other kind of interruption I don't mind is when I'm interrupting someone else. Never bothers me, right? Because I only interrupt people when it's important and when it's really, really necessary for the good of the, my world, uh, you know, honestly. But, but we've all kind of been there, and yet what we see in the kingdom, and especially in the ministry of Jesus, is he is constantly showing up at unexpected times in unexpected places to unexpected people and asking them to do things that were not part of their plan. 
And so we, we see this over and over and over again. Now, that does not mean Jesus worked without a plan. It just means he worked with a different plan. His plan was to come and to announce the good news to everyone everywhere that the kingdom is here and the kingdom is for you. And oftentimes when Jesus comes, it does involve an interruption to the way we are living and potentially to the plans we've already made. And he invites us onto a new path with him. We see this in Matthew chapter 4, the story of the, the calling of four of the disciples. So if you have a Bible, Matthew chapter 4, we'll start in verse 18. It says, as Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting the net into the lake for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father Zebedee, preparing their nets. Jesus called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Now, I, I don't know about you. I have read these stories for decades. I've probably read the, that story hundreds of times, and I have almost always read it in the context that this is the first time Andrew and Peter and James and John have encountered Jesus. And I've always been blown away just thinking, man, I don't know that I would have faith like that, that the first time I saw Jesus and he said, come follow me, to be like, cool, I'm going to leave my family, I'm going to leave my job, I'm not even going to run home, I'm just going to get out and follow you. So, so this, is, this is one of those things where I, I love the, the depth of the Bible. I love that even though I've been doing this for quite a while now, I still learn new stuff all of the time. And so when, when you read the Gospels kind of next to each other, you can establish a bit of a time frame for the life and ministry of Jesus and also for the life and ministry of the disciples. When you do that, what you find is Matthew chapter 4, the calling on the Sea of Galilee, actually takes place close to a year after the disciples have first encountered Jesus. So if you go back to John at chapter 1, we begin to learn this idea that Jesus interrupts out of relationship. So in John chapter 1, we find there is John the Baptist, who is the forerunner who goes before Jesus, and John the Baptist has gathered a group of disciples who are with him. Two of those disciples are Andrew and his brother Peter. There's another unnamed disciple who's mentioned in John chapter 1. In John chapter 1, John is there, Jesus shows up, and John tells his disciples, this is the Messiah, the one that we've been preparing the way for. Andrew immediately goes and tells his brother Simon, hey, we found the Messiah. Most scholars agree that the unnamed disciple there is John. Now, between then and the Sea of Galilee, there's about a year that, of, that, that takes place. In that time, what seems like is happening is the disciples return to their normal way of life. They're still making a living, working as fishermen in all these different areas. And yet, as Jesus passes through, they will accompany him at different times. So when he goes to the wedding in Cana a couple chapters later in John, and he performs his first public miracle of turning the water into the wine, his disciples are there, and it's assumed this is Andrew and Peter and James and John. So now suddenly for me, it makes a whole lot more sense how Jesus can walk by the lake, see a couple guys working and say, hey, come follow me, and they willingly leave everything behind. Because what is actually happening here is Jesus has already established a relationship with Andrew, with Simon, with James, with John. 
They're already beginning to get a glimpse of who he is. They've witnessed the miracles. They've heard John the Baptist attest, this is the one we've been waiting for. And so now when Jesus comes, it seems then to mark a shift in their relationship where they are going to move from casual observers of the Messiah to full-time participants in the kingdom with him. Now, I don't know what that does for you. For me, though, that gives me tremendous comfort. Because it means Jesus isn't just going to show up out of the blue to mess up your life for fun. But he's always going to invite you into a relationship first. This was not blind faith or wishful thinking on behalf of the disciples when they leave their nets, they leave their boat, they leave their father, and they follow after Jesus. But this was a considered decision. It's as if they were fishing, waiting for the invitation. And when the invitation came, they left. As we read that story, it also reminds us that that the interruption of Jesus is intended to create a reaction in us. Again, you you see this. Jesus shows up, come follow me. It says, immediately they left their nets and follow him. At once they left their nets and their father and followed him. When Jesus interrupts your life, it is always to redirect your life. And so his interruption is an invitation to obedience. Now, again, for those of us who are not big fans of interruptions, this is challenging for us because it means when Jesus interrupts my life, I really only have two choices. I can obey or I can disobey. He never interrupts your life to negotiate with you. He doesn't interrupt to say, hey, I have a really good plan, but I'm open to hearing what you have. Right? It doesn't work that way. Again, we're thinking of kingdom language. He is a king, we are the kingdom citizens. He is the one who sees our beginning from our end. He is the one who directs all our steps. And what we call interruptions, he calls leading and guiding. Which changes your whole perspective of it. Because you think, I think right here, right now, in 2022, that I know what I'm going to be doing in 2025 or in 2030, and I might plan in certain directions, and I might work in those directions, and yet my knowing is only partial and it's incomplete. But Jesus knows exactly where I'm going to be in 2025. He knows exactly what I'm going to be doing in 2030. And he knows exactly what I need to do in 2022 to be ready for those things in those moments. And so when he comes and he speaks and he says, hey, Chris, I know you thought here, but instead let's go there. I have to react not with fear and trembling, but I have to react with the confidence of the disciples of the Lord is here and he's calling me, so I've just got to go. And what they model for us is this idea that we can embrace interruptions with confidence. You can trust that when Jesus calls you to lay something down, It's so you can receive something better. He's not calling to make you miserable. He's not interrupting to torment you. He's not trying to get you back for something you did 20 years ago. And he's not mad at you about all the broken promises of, Lord, if you'll do this, I'll do that. And he's not holding any of that against you. Instead, when he comes to interrupt your life, he's coming to say, I know you think this path is best, but let me show you a way that's better. And when he redirects, we can react with confidence. Now, now listen, it, it doesn't necessarily mean that it would be better in the way that we would always evaluate better. His plan will always be better from a kingdom perspective and a kingdom impact. 
culturally, there may be some sacrifices involved. There may be some friends and family who don't understand the choices and the decisions that we're making. When God speaks of, hey, I know you kind of thought you were going here, but instead we're going to go there, it might be confusing to you and it might be confusing to others. But when you're in relationship with Jesus and you've learned to hear his voice and follow him, and you've done that time after time after time, it's building this record of faith and trust. And you know, if he calls me, that's the best place for me. And it's a lesson Matt and Randy are learning and modeling for us that as parents, when Jesus interrupts my life, we have to believe it's not just best for me, it's also best for my family. That the the best parents, the best place for your children is in the will of God. And there is a will of God for you personally, for you as a couple, and for you as a family. And if God redirects with his interruption, your only choice is obedience. Because his interruptions are always part of his guidance. And to deny the interruption, to, to deny the redirection, is to instead choose to follow your own path. So the disciples' model is just really, I mean, it's, it's both faith-filled, but it's also based in their relationship with Jesus. They know he's good. They know he's powerful. They know he's unlike anyone they have ever experienced in life. And so they make the decision, wherever he goes, we're going. Whatever he says, we're going to do. And so, now again, if you're a spontaneous person, Karen, and no one else apparently, this is pretty fun, right? I mean, a, a really enjoyable, really enjoyable message. Like, Karen Batchelder's like, yes, let's, let's let Jesus interrupt us, right? Speak, lead, guide. I had some plans. I don't care about plans, right? Let's go. Let's have fun. Like this, the Enneagram sevens, the yellows, whatever you want to call it. You, you all are ready. Like this is how you've lived your life. Drives everyone nuts around you that's not like you, but it's how you've lived your life. And the rest of us are like, I, I understand in theory that this is a scriptural principle. <laughs> and I am happy to follow the interruptions of God if he announces them with plenty of time. Right? Anybody else? I'll do something totally different in five years. I would like to know now. I'll take that step of faith. Tell me how it ends. I'll make that sacrificial gift. Tell me the blessing that comes on the other side of it. I'll have the hard conversation, but let me know it goes well. They still like me when it's over? Okay, I'll head right into there. Right? We, we kind of have that idea. And, and so I, what I, I don't want to do is I don't want to make you think if you don't love interruptions, you're not a spiritual person. Because God is clearly a God of order. We see this laid out all through the scriptures. He's a God of intelligent design. He's a God of systems and processes. He's a God of long-range planning. And yet, as followers of Jesus who walk by the power of the Holy Spirit, we have to adjust and begin to learn to plan for interruptions. So if you've got a problem being interrupted, one of the best things you can do is just plan on it. Just plan on it. Your plans, everything you think is going to work, just live with that awareness that all of this could change at a moment's notice, and if it's God's will, that's okay with me. So so if you're here this morning and, and you've worked the same job, lived in the same house, and been part of the same church for 40 years, it does not mean you've missed God's voice. It doesn't mean there's anything wrong with you. That, that incredible stability can make you a pillar in your community and a source of building God's kingdom. And yet the longer we are somewhere, the more often we need to pray that prayer of, Lord, I'm still surrendered to you. And I'm still open to your leading and to your guiding. 
when I, you heard from my, my youth pastor uh, three weeks ago. And one of the, so Billy taught me to be passionate. One of the other things he taught me was to be open to the Holy Spirit. And so he would, he would make me preach on occasion in, in our Wednesday night youth group or on some trips that we would take. And he always had a, a little service order that he would give us. And it would have that, you know, we're going to sing these songs, and then somebody's going to pray, and then somebody's going to preach, and we're going to do this, very similar to what we have today. But the, the thing I remember most about Billy's was it always had a line at the top. So it would have the, the date of the service, the time of it, and then it would have the order, and there would be a little asterisk at the top, and it would say, subject to change by the Holy Spirit. And I didn't like it then. I was like, why, why can't he tell you what to do ahead of time? I don't understand this. And, and yet, the, the longer I live, the more I see that I need that not just for an order of service. I need that for the order of my life. Like, when we sit with a financial planner at the beginning of every year, it's that thought of subject to change by the Holy Spirit. Or when I'm thinking about the future that, that I'm praying for my kids, it's subject to change by the Holy Spirit. When I'm thinking about our plans at Christian Chapel and the, the things God is calling us to do this year and in the coming years, it's subject to change by the Holy Spirit. And while that might have scared me years ago, I, I think I've come to the place where I can embrace those interruptions with confidence and just telling the Lord, God, I trust you to put me in the right place more than I trust myself to plan into the right place. And this is what we see all through the Gospels. Jesus shows up and he interrupts and he leads to something better. And so the disciples, they, they really model for us this, this switch in thinking where interruptions are invitations. And so this week, as you're going through your week and you've kind of got your day planned out and somebody shows up in your office, they show up at your home, they call, they text, they whatever, and it interrupts your day. Instead of viewing that as a moment of aggravation, view it as a moment of invitation. Thinking, Lord, I, I thought I knew what I was going to do today. I thought I had it all planned out. So, so, Lord, will you help me to embrace this as an invitation to partner with what you're doing? When you're met with an unexpected need that you have the opportunity to meet, it's an opportunity, an invitation to participate in the kingdom. And now, now, this goes really closely with what we talked about last week of kingdom builders work hard. One of the, the lessons I remember my dad teaching me over and over and over again was if you're going to build the kingdom, you need to do all you can today so that tomorrow you're free for whatever God might reveal. See, for some of us, when God interrupts, we can't receive it as an invitation because we've been procrastinating on all the other things we were supposed to have knocked out weeks or months or years ago. And so it's, it's, it's painful, but for some of us, the reason we hate interruptions is because we're, we're just not getting our stuff done. And so if you, if you will be faithful today, you will be more available tomorrow. If you'll be present where you are, you'll be more open to where God might want to lead. And in that process, you will transition from interruption to invitation. And you will begin to pray that prayer every day. Lord, this is what I want to do. This is what I believe. This is what I need for my life. This is what I need for my marriage. Lord, this is what I'm trusting you for. This is the goal that I'm running after. These are the things I know that you've revealed to me. These are the, the, the financial goals, the spiritual goals, the health goals, the relational goals. These are my goals at work. These are my goals at school. Lord, I'm going in all those places and I'm asking for your blessing over all those things. And at the very end of that prayer, you're going to say, but Lord, I understand these are all subject to change by the Holy Spirit. 
And so I don't want to hold on to anything so tightly that it can't be interrupted by the Lord. Now again, you can make your plans. You can work your plans. You can tell others about your plans. Just don't ever worship your plans. The disciples' whole life was laid out for them. They were going to be fishermen in their family business like generations before them. They were going to live in the same little area. They were going to do the same little things. They were going to get married. They were going to have kids. They were going to be faithful and devout followers of God. And yet Jesus shows up with an invitation. And his invitation to them was a significant interruption to the plan they have and probably what their families expected from them. And yet they made the decision, that's fine, we'll follow. And because they followed, you and I are here today. Because they received the interruption from the Lord to become fishers of men instead of just fishermen. You and I are here today. We know their names. We tell their stories. Not necessarily because there was anything different about them than you or me, but because at that time and that place, they chose to receive the invitation of Jesus and follow him on a path they hadn't planned. And the same thing continues to happen for you and I today. God still speaks. He still leads. He still guides. He still interrupts. And we still have an opportunity to receive that interruption as an invitation and partner with what he's doing in this space and in other spaces to build his kingdom. I'm going to ask Matt and Randy to, to come back up and share a little bit of their story with us. So if, if you don't know Matt and Randy, they um, have been members of Christian Chapel for quite a while. Uh, Matt was one of our deacons. They have served in all kinds of ministries at Christian Chapel. Um, they shared with you earlier where they're going and what they're doing, but I want them to come back and talk to us just a little bit about how exactly they got there. We're going to make you actually come by us, Randy. Yeah, you don't have to sit by yourself. Yeah, you can, you can come on over. So. Um, so Matt and Randy, you guys are in the middle of massive life change. Uh, so tell us a little bit about how you got there. Like, Randy, tell us about what was your life like before missions? Were you enjoying it? Yeah, so, so we had a great life. Um, we call it affectionately the American dream, right? So Matt had a great career. He provided very well for our family, and I was able to be a stay-at-home mom. And honestly, this was my dream, right? All my life, I had wanted to be a mom and raise my kids and be involved in their life every day, and I was getting to do that. Um, we were very involved here at Christian Chapel. Um, as Chris said, Matt was on the board, and he organized outreaches to our community, and he loved that. That was his thing. I liked to teach little kids, and I did that, and I helped plan events and decorate and do all the things that, that we love to do. We had a great life. Mm -hmm. um, I was really involved at my kids' school, and we th I was on the course that I thought that I was going to be on for the rest of my life. Awesome. And then when did you guys kind of first start sensing? Because I know it wasn't, you know, kind of like that story we looked at this morning. It's a, a gradual calling, and then there's kind of a definitive moment where, okay, now we have to leave and do this. Uh, but what was that gradual process like for you guys of sensing that call? So there, <clears throat> there was kind of a moment that started the gradual process, and that, I got baptized in the Holy Spirit a few years ago. We were still living in Ohio at the time, and so and shortly after that, we, we moved to Oklahoma. But I had just just taking some advice from our pastor up there just as a step of faith because I felt like when I got baptized in the Holy Spirit, the, the biggest thing that happened was I felt like God was calling me into ministry, but I didn't have 
clarity at all. And, and certainly I knew he wasn't calling us to missions because I had four baby girls. I had four big reasons, you know. <laughs> and, uh, but I just, as a step of faith and obedience, I, I started working on my credentials, mm -hmm. just knowing it. if he was calling me into ministry, I'd need to be a credentialed minister. And so I was just beginning that process as we came back to Christian Chapel in, uh, in probably 2016. And, and then I just remember sitting where you guys are sitting this morning and, um, and just beginning to wrestle with what the call was on my life. I was, I was, you know, heading in a direction, preparing for ministry without clarity and um, praying and just seeking God reveal, but just trusting that he would reveal um, what the plan was. And meantime, like Randy said, you know, it was, uh, had this passion for outreach ministry. We even, you know, did Jobs for Life here, which was right up my alley. And I thought, well, God, this is, this is it. This is what you have for me. And it was great ministry where we were able to share the gospel with people who otherwise wouldn't step foot in the walls of this church. And um, I knew God was, was just still working with it. I was just wrestling with it. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, and we'll get to it, but I was just thinking as you, you talked about that, you know, sometimes when God interrupts us, it's not just to get us somewhere. Sometimes it's to get us out of a place so someone else can come in. Uh, so like Matt led Jobs for Life with us and did a great job with that. But when he stepped out to pursue this calling, um, God brought Steve Adams, yeah. who stepped into that and kind of transitioned that ministry into a new emphasis for yeah. teenagers in foster care. And it's been a, a really, a really, really great thing as well. Um, so on the, you're kind of sensing this call, you're wrestling through it, you want to go... Uh, you're thinking, I mean, you've told me before, basically every time there was a missionary, you were ready to go wherever they were from. Right. Um, Randy, where were you in that process? Yeah, so I really could have used this message like four years ago. Um, <laughs> so my call, Matt said his was a process, and, and mine was in a way, but it was a Sunday morning. I was sitting right there. Like, I know exactly where I was sitting, second row. A missionary was sharing about their work overseas, and I heard God say very clearly, very clearly, get ready, you are going to go. And I looked at Matt, and he was weeping, and I thought this was a call that God had just given both of us, but Matt didn't hear the call that I had called, and so I was really fast to say, okay, I don't have to follow that, that thing that God just told me. <laughs> and I said, no, thanks, God, I'm good, and I put it away and, and went on with my life. Um, I still served at Christian Chapel. I still had communion with the Lord, right? I still was in a good place with the Lord, but I was definitely um, not following the path, the interruption, if you will, that he had asked me to do, and, um, and I was good for a while um, until, until I wasn't, until I became very unsatisfied with my life, until I no longer felt like the ministry that I was doing was what God had for me, and I started, like, praying, and I was like, God, like, don't you have something else for me? Isn't there something else I could be doing for your kingdom? And he reminded me. It was gentle. It was really gentle, but man, it was firm. It was like, yeah, I do have something more for your life, remember? Um, and then he shared with me that when I had told him no on the call that he had asked me, um, when I said no, I didn't just tell him no for me. I told him no for my kids. He said, I have plans for your kids, Randy. Um, he's like, and I have plans for your husband. So when you told me no for you, you told me no for all the plans I have for your entire family. 
So that was really, that was hard. Um, I had to repent, and I had to really pray. And I would like to tell you that it was a real quick, immediate, okay, I guess I'm in. But no, it took time. Um, I had a lot of plans for my life. I had a lot of plans for my kids. And they all evolved the American dream, like activities they were going to do and the college they were going to do and the life I was going to have. And none of my plans included selling my home, selling all the things I had worked so hard to accumulate in my perfect kitchen and sell it in a garage sale. None of that was not my plan. Um, But I got to a point where I was willing to give all that up so that I could do what he had for us. That's awesome. And then Matt, I know for you, part of that big interruption was the same thing that interrupted all of our lives was uh, COVID. So tell us a little bit about how God used that to kind of accelerate this process in yeah, you. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you brought up COVID, Chris. I really am. I, <laughs> I know, it's helpful. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so, you know, I was living in fear prior to COVID. Um, I was li- had a, I mentioned particularly for my little girls and didn't think, even if for sake of the gospel, he wouldn't ask me to put my family in harm's way. And, uh, and then COVID. And we all... None of us knew how to react. I certainly didn't. And I, I, you know, I think we, we all reacted differently. The way I reacted was in complete frustration. And uh, I'm not proud of it. And, uh, but what was going on in, in my spirit was um, I was just struggling because everything to me just screamed fear. Whether I, I saw masks on people's face or social distancing signs or door, you know, business closed or short staffing because of, of COVID and, um, or I was forced to do Zoom calls instead of live meetings. Whatever it was, it just frustrated me to no end. And, and, um, and I remember getting to a point where I had to repent to you and, and, and to God for how I was behaving, how I was responding. And I'd love to say... You know, I went the rest of that, that summer of 2020 just wonderfully after that. But um, it was actually after that, I, I remember boiling up um, in a group of, of guys here uh, at our home group and just, and just uh, bursting out in frustration. God, I'm so tired of everyone living in fear. And in the middle of that moment, God just kind of brought to my attention, you know, Matt, you've been living in fear. And so they're just trusting me. And so, I don't know, Rain, you want to kind of share kind of what happened right immediately after that? Yeah, so it, um, one night I was in the other room and Matt picked up a book that, he, that a friend had given him and was like, Matt, you have to read this book. It's going to change your life. And then Matt put it on his nightstand and it sat there for a year. I'm not kidding. And so after this <laughs> outburst, Matt's like, hey, I need to change my life. So he picked up the book and within the first couple of pages, he read something that went kind of like this. What would you do if you responded in radical obedience to the Lord? What would that look like for you? And he called me in from the other room and he said, you have to read this. And so he read it to me and I said, okay, well, what does that look like? Like, what does that mean? If you responded in radical obedience to the gospel, what would that look like? And he said, we have to do missions. And 
I had um, been waiting for this because God had already told me I had come to the point where I was ready to accept that. And I, I told God, okay, God, I'm in, but you have to tell Matt. I'm not telling him. And he just told me we have to go do missions. And so I was excited. So I was like, so does this mean like a trip? Are we going to go on a trip for a few weeks? And, um, and he was like, no, we're gonna, we're, we need to sell everything and we need to move. Like this is going to be our life. And I was ready. And I told him, okay, I'm in. And I think he was probably pretty surprised because my attitude in the past had been like, nope. Um, I'm going to need an audible voice from God or some writing on the wall before I do that. But God had been working on me. And so when I responded, yes, let's do it, I think he was very surprised. But that began our journey. And then it happened really quickly, but then then very long. Like it was a long waiting, but... yeah. Yeah, and I appreciate, so getting to walk with you guys through that process of just, and even this morning sharing your story, that vulnerability of, you know, it, sometimes we, Jesus shows up at the, the sea and, and we say, yes, I'm ready to go, and sometimes we row the boat out a little farther and say, I can't hear you, um, you know, <laughs> but he's always gracious, and he just keeps drawing us back to him, and he's going to keep revealing and keep, and no matter what circumstances he uses, Right, it's so not not every calling, inter, every interruption is always this really wonderful, holy experience. Sometimes it's when we're miserable and frustrated and angry, and, and God uses that to highlight it. You know, sometimes life is really great, and we just don't want Him to mess our stuff up. Right. Um, it, but in in all of those, you guys have modeled for us this just continual surrender to the Lord. Um, so I want to ask both of you. I mean, I, I think you're not alone. I mean, I know for Angie and I. Um, for us coming out of seminary, we thought we would spend our lives as missionaries to unreached people groups. Mm-hmm. And every year we pray the prayer, Lord, is this the year? And every year he says, stay in Tulsa, which seems like the least unreached place in the entire world. <laughs> of, you know, everyone I meet, is, as soon as I tell them I'm a pastor, they're like, I go to church. Um, you know, and so, so, but we recognized early on as youth pastors and now as pastors that maybe one day God will let us go. But until then, we're going to pray that God will continue to raise up people out of Christian chapel. And so our prayer and our hope having you guys share your story this morning is it's sparking in hearts and minds of other people of, hey, we can do that too, and, and kind of shifting that. So, so if somebody's kind of in that spot this morning, maybe it's missions, maybe it's not, but they're just in a spot where they sense the Lord is interrupting, what advice would you give them to kind of just trust and walk out that process? Yeah, I'd, I'd probably share something a, a missionary shared with me. So one Sunday morning, early 2020, after service, I went out in the lobby and, and hunted the missionary down at his table, right, and walked up to him boldly and said, hey, I'm really wrestling with the call. How would I know if I'm, if I'm officially called, right? And I'll never forget his answer. He said, Matt, in my opinion, if you're willing, you should go. In my opinion, uh, it's a lot easier for for God to use somebody who's willing and even slam the door shut on somebody like that if he needs to, than it is for him to call somebody up out of the, out of the pew at church or off, up off the couch and get them moving towards the kingdom. And so that really stuck with me. In fact, in 1 Peter 5, 3, uh, there's a remark about ministry that we do it because we're willing, not because we must. You know, it's, it's this idea, it's a calling, but not an obligation. And, um, and so I really... Um, grabbed hold of that, and, uh, and I mentioned just living in fear. If the enemy can keep us paralyzed in fear, he's going to do it. If he can convince us, like he did for me so 
long, that I'm not good enough. You know, just this not enoughness. Um, that I'm not equipped, and, and uh, there's so much more qualified people to do work for the kingdom than me, and, which is certainly true. First Corinthians 1, uh, Paul actually kind of acknowledges that, but he, he kind of puts the idea in, in not so many, or, or in more words than this, but how God equips the called. He doesn't call the equipped. Mm-hmm. So. That's awesome. Randy, anything you would add? Somebody sitting there thinking maybe yes, maybe no. Maybe God just told them, it's your time, get ready. What would you, what would you tell them? Oh, dear. Um, I don't know. I think we have to trust him. Um, at the end of the day, what it comes down to for me is that he is worth it. Um, all of my plans, all of my hopes, he is worth everything. And when we live our life like that, no matter what it looks like, um, he is worth it. And so just hold on to that. That's what I hold on to every day. He's worth it. Absolutely. That's great. Will you stand with us? I'm going to ask Matt actually to pray for us um, and just pray that prayer that we'll be open to the, okay. the interruptions of the Holy Spirit. Okay. Oh, Father, we are just so grateful for the message this morning, the message you've spoken into our hearts. And we we know, we trust that the Holy Spirit is working on hearts in this very room this morning. Lord, I'm, I'm reminded as I listen to that message of, or in, in Proverbs 16, where, where you say how we as man, we make our plans, but you establish our steps. And, and so, Father, we, while we may have these grandiose plans, we may even have a glimpse of what you're calling us to, but we don't know how to get there. We're here, but we feel like you're calling us to there. Lord, would you establish our steps? We just trust you to do that. And what a wonderful picture we see in Matthew 4 of these fishermen who, who let go of the nets that they've crafted and out of the boat that they've built themselves to carry them along. And they abandon that in full trust and obedience to you. May that be us this morning. Lord, may we abandon our nets, abandon our boats, and walk on the water to you, Father, just in full faith and trust that you've got us. That's our prayer this morning in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to this podcast from Christian Chapel. For more information, visit us online at christianchapel.com.